Comics podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Richie. I'm Sean. And we are back. It's I didn't like swallow enough, so like when I said it, it felt like I was underwater. I'm like, oh, Richie. That's so. So we are back. Um, the holidays have been pretty crazy. Yes. That's why, um, if you've noticed in your feed and stuff, there have been uh, weird times that the podcasts have been showing. In fact, when you get this one, there may be another one. It's it's a crazy time for everybody. Yes, we are we are whacked out on time, so we apologize. We will eventually get our stuff together. After, after Christmas, I think it'll or get... Or never. Or never. <laughs> We're just going to claw our way through this every time. It's fine. Exactly. Uh, so, we're going to uh, just let you know we're going to do a little bit of reformatting now. Mm. Uh, we're trying to make the podcast leaner, you know, uh, cleaner, kind of get it... Uh, Meaner. Yeah, greener. That's right, exactly. Full of so, muffins. Everybody likes muffins. So, from now on, we're going to cut down the news to uh, one item, uh, something that we find interesting into the uh, industry, <clears> because we kind of realize that a lot of people can find this stuff online, uh, you know, th- right. stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, the podcast is about what we feel about something. Mm-hmm. So, just talking about, you know, what new creative teams on a book doesn't necessarily right. have to be brought up every time. So, uh, we're going to jump right into the news. And we're gonna do discuss uh, our item. What 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 is it, Richie? So I'm bringing to the table um, this article I read about Legend of Wonder Woman's creative team responding to oh, the, yeah. the surrounding cancellation. Yep. Um, this was a digital issue, and uh, they also brought it out. And apparently, uh, DC has since then canceled it, and with a description of challenging relationships between them and the. Uh, the creative team. Okay. Yep. Uh, the creative team of Renee De- Deliz. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, and Ray so. Dillon. Um, and Deliz has actually responded back saying that th- that statement works both ways. That she couldn't work through with DC and it doesn't seem like they could find a compromise. Gotcha. Um, she also said on her Facebook that she wanted readers to know never once did she knowingly cross any lines or felt like she risked the the title in any way, which is why she was shocked by the turn of events, and uh, she is a very careful person and would never have tried to risk it. So that's an interesting thing, and, yeah. and this happens with DC a, a bit. Like I, I remember famously the Batwoman story arc with mm-hmm. Renee Montoya, and um, yeah, yeah, um, with uh, uh, words are hard. Words is hard. What's his What's his name? And blanking on him. Uh, Batwoman the third. Jade Williams. Thank you. Good <laughs> woman. We're like this. I know. We're I know. Like this. We were that is like, like watching you just yeah. just seeing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just third, getting yes. to you an anchor. Yeah. That was well, like, so, so I was like, Push. yeah. Well, so. Uh, yeah, he left with conflicts and not yep. knowing. I mean, this happens all the time, and um. In different comic book uh, publishers, mm-hmm. and it, and it always—I mean—it's one of those things where, just like good movies, just like good books, 
it, it's hard to make something consistently good over a long period of time, and it's hard to make a great movie and a great long comic book. Right. There's it's it's a really it's a big grind to how do a monthly comic book. How much is this going to be the editor being the editor? Well, sure. Editing the book for content, and how much is this is sure. the art the artist being well, mad I mean, like said, editing my content? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. We I mean? don't we don't know exactly you what don't the extent know. It's, is. It's a he said she said it story. It is. It is because the biggest thing for publishers is you have to put your books out on time. You've got to try. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, something like Saga, where they say at the end of every story arc. They say, we'll be back in two months. A trade's going to come out next month so you guys can catch up. They put it at the end of every issue when they do that. Mm-hmm. Unless that's the base and that's what people know, um, people really jump off books. Mm. I mean, uh, we bring up uh, uh, many times in the past that when Jeff Johns was doing Flash Rebirth, right, super popular, uh, we were selling probably, I think it had to have been 80 copies. Yeah. 80 hold slots probably were getting it. Uh-huh. But the longer it went on and the more it went, like between issue five and six, the last issue, um, I think that was, or was it five? Anyway, the last issue of Flash Rebirth, it dropped to about 20 people. Because it was so late. Because it was so late. People just didn't care anymore. And and, and there were there you were. You forget the story. You forget yep. where it's going. You're gonna have yeah, to read the whole people, thing. So I mean, forget it. Ethan Van Skyver drawing it. Jeff Johns writing it. <laughs> right. Uh, anybody who's read that story knows it's an awesome Flash story. And a lot of people did come back later and buy the issue, or they bought trades, or some people didn't right. even finish it because of how late it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people, there was tons of people that came in and had bought the first couple issues, and they only needed that one issue, and they wouldn't buy it because it was so late. Right. So for publishers, that's really, and they know that, mm-hmm. they see that, just it, it trickles through retail, through publishers, through everything, that if you're really late on a book, I mean, a week is fine. Week can be a little annoying, but once you get like three, four months in, you are damaging the longevity of that book. Right. Uh, the only uh, book, four, that I, the only book that I remember that it didn't just totally kill the book for me was Old Man Logan, the original miniseries, because it was late. Almost every issue was late by like a month, <laughs> but it would come out. I'd be like, man, I don't know if I even want to read this anymore. You guys keep screwing me over with this lateness, and I'd start reading the book and be like. Okay, fine. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess it was worth but, it. But but but, but even old rare. man Logan. That's even, rare. Yeah, yeah, but that's also for you. Even old man Logan, we had a pull, a huge pull, pull and it dropped way and off. And it dropped off. Mm-hmm. So 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 from their perspective, it's that. From an artist writer, uh, you know, perspective too is it depends upon if an editor does come in, and 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 it's happened many times. In, in the past where they said, hey, you can't do this, you need to change this character. And sometimes it's it's totally opposite of what they wanted to do. Right. And when you're an artist or a writer, that's really hard to swallow. I want to tell this dark love story with this character, and if the editor says this has to be a funny slapstick comedy with this character, mm-hmm. that really can, really can uh, uh, change some... Right, some stuff. So, so we don't know exactly what it is, but it's one of those things where, you know, whatever was going on there, something was happening, and neither party sounded like they wanted to continue. Which, which at the end of the day, is good for the writer and artist because they can move on to something else, uh-huh. and the publisher doesn't have to uh, deal with it anymore. Right. So, whatever way it went, that's yeah. I think it's. Uh, I always have the issue with. It being troublesome for the readers, you know, 
And to be honest, there's a really great Wonder Woman story going on right now, and Legends has kind of hidden in that shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's not the, the craziest end. If you were to tell me, like, Wonder Woman, the main title was getting canceled, there would be some, like, what? But sure. for this, it's not bad, so... I mean, it happens more often than not, so... Mm-hmm. All right, All right so we're going to go into picks of the week. So because we didn't do an episode last week, we're opening it up to uh, last week and the previous week. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Uh, so, because just because of the holidays and stuff, some of us have been able to read stuff from last week, some of us have not. We still have picks from two weeks ago, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So we're melding it all into one, and let's go with Sean first. What's your pick uh, for? Just pick on me. Because we want to. <laughs> I would say even bigger news was that my, my tweet got retweeted and liked multiple times more than yours. You could. did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's follow great. us on Twitter if you uh, some if some you no like. name writer Mark Miller retweeted him twice. Then he says Shawnee on it. But anyway, okay. Yeah. So so reborn and this week. I got what same got? thing. Yeah, Brian Wood. <laughs> yes, yes. No names. Um, fine. Reborn is my pick of the week. Issue three. Issue yep. three is really uh, this this series has been really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and I like I do actually like Mark Miller. I do feel that sometimes. I, like, I don't know if he doesn't understand how he wants to end a book, but sometimes he loses it a little bit. Um, this book, to me, it's been solid since I, I started reading it, since I first opened, you know, the mm-hmm. first the first issue and flipped to the first page. So, this continues the trend of being good. Yeah. It's just a good all-the-way-around book. The art is really good I mean, by Capullo. some guy that you guys like. <laughs> yeah, Well, that's Capullo. I think he worked on Spawn. Kind maybe Batman. Batman. I don't know. Maybe well, Batman. Yeah. But well, and, and Capullo is the reason why I decided to pick up that book because my feelings with Miller are I I want just going back to what we were just discussing. Sometimes he's a miss, really late. Well, but... not just even miss, but sometimes it's he's really late. Uh-huh. And there have been many times in the past where a new Mark Miller book comes out. I think it's awesome. And it is awesome. And then you'll never read another issue because you won't see them for years. And, yeah, and you don't see it for years. <laughs> right. So so my personal rule is I don't read any Mark Miller stuff till it's collected in a trade. Right. Until it's done. Uh-huh. Oh, it went 20 issues? Great, I'll pick up the three trades. But Reborn, Greg Capullo's put it over the top. I have to get this. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I've, I've, I've even grabbed multiple covers on a couple of issues because... <laughs> They're just cool. They're just cool. <laughs> and that's, The covers are just cool. The thing I like about this is it seems to continually expand with each issue. They started here, and they just keep exponentially getting bigger and well, bigger. Well, and, and bigger. I, I love the fact that it's an afterlife story, but right. it's... Is it? I mean... Right. There's, you don't, there's you don't death really in know, this afterlife, you, so... You don't know where he's going with it, but you, the story is very intriguing, so... Yeah. The, the, the artwork, it just takes you on the journey, and the, the writing has been... Very cool concept. Vague enough to keep you in, interested, but... Well, it's a cool concept, too. Yeah. you got to have a good concept behind something, too. So... Well, and this yeah. was definitely one of the... This is definitely a book that has, like, the classic comic feel to it, where it's got the cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. That's, so you're you're going through a situation. You get out of the one thing, sticky situation, you know, and then it arcs into, oh, Uh-oh. but guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Be back here in 30, kids! Dun-dun-dun! Yeah, yeah. next time! <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is always which fun, is cool. fun and awesome. Yeah. So that's that's my pick of the week. It's a great pick. Excellent. Easy pick. All right. Uh, Richie, I see you have two books there. I do have so two books. How can, do. how can you, know. How can you have two books? I'm just joking. We just said that <laughs> fine so uh what are your two to be picks? fair 
the last podcast, which they're probably listening to right before this podcast, they'll notice that I didn't do a pick, and I yeah, just yeah. kind of jumped on your guys's. So yes, it's yes. okay that I no, have to. No, that's good. So, um, yeah, what are your two picks here? Uh, this week is Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones uh, has been great in the Marvel Universe, and it in I this... just don't know how I feel about that book yet. I'm, I, I, I was interested in your, in your thought, to be honest, but I, I've been following it, and I enjoy her persona. I enjoy the, the grittiness of the art. Michael Gatos is great, and I think the story is intriguing enough that I'm willing to follow it to the next phase. It, it's yeah. carrying me through, and... Uh, Jessica Jones for me is something I jumped on at the back end. Of course, it has my favorite colorist. Matt yeah. Hollingsworth is great. And there's a twist in this with what happened through Civil War. Okay, gotcha. And if you've been reading Civil War, Jessica Jones meets a character that was just kind of like a throwaway in Civil War, and it might turn out to be a really important issue that I think will be hidden. Cool. All right. Depending yeah. on where Marvel Universe decides to take it, but currently I think that's a unique twist and gotcha. Very, very intriguing. Yeah. So it's slow. It's a slow burn, but I do like the oh, feel of the comic. And <laughs> it is Bendis. So. But what I was going to say is that the thing that I like about Jessica Jones is I think that it's going back to old school Bendis. Mm-hmm. And that's well, and that's the stuff that I fell in love with. That's the that's the the original Bendis, the early Bendis. Mm-hmm. But when he wasn't, to me, he's more of like an idea man now who can't figure out how to finish his story. Mm-hmm. But... Like when he's writing something that because this is him all the way through. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. That's and, and writing something that's him that he created, it's it has it's a different, different, yeah. It has a different feel to it, and it has a more complete feel to it, where you you know he knows where he's going. Right. So and I, I like that about this book a lot, actually. Yeah. So if you haven't picked it up, it's on number three. I think the issues aren't incredibly difficult to get a hold of. No, I don't so. think they're super hard. So I suggest it. See if you can give it a shot. It's a great Marvel title in uh, in a world where I want to find Marvel titles that I like to read. Jessica Jones is an easy pick for me. There in a world. In a world. And then, and then, now I know we're going to talk about this. Yes. Uh, one of the things is, uh, you listeners out there, uh, we've been kicking around this idea for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And some of our listeners have said that they would really like to hear this, but I'd like to hear from more of the listeners. Uh, you're going to bring up Tom King's Batman. I am, yes. And you and I have been big fans of this. Yes. A lot of people have not been. Correct. They're wrong. And, uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so, I shot the wrong. Care less. <laughs> yeah. So, we've been kicking around the idea of sometime maybe doing a special or doing some kind of segment about how we feel about this and why we think this is really underappreciated Batman stuff. But it's right. appreciated enough by you two. It, it is, but it's. That's it's enough, right? Well, I mean, it no. is. <laughs> no, no, it's not. no. Because, because, no. Because, uh, uh, like you said, you told me, oh, Zach, you have to uh, read these, because I've been a couple weeks behind, but you said, oh, I have to read this issue 12. Yes. I looked at issue 13, which came out this week. I have not. And uh, and it's just crazy cool stuff. But anyway, so if you would like to hear that, let us know. If you would yeah. not like to hear us, let us know, too. Yeah. I just want to know from the listening audience Ooh, how absolutely. you feel. Ooh, I have a vote. Yeah, vote, vote, go ahead. You, you <laughs> if we did this, you would be the, uh, you would be the Switzerland. You would be in the middle, and you would be the count, counterpoint. You'd be That's Dan Aykroyd in, 
in, se- in Saturday Night Live. You'd be the judge. If I had a point, I, that, if I had a side, I'm not Switzerland. No, you don't have a side. Middle. You don't have a side. Yeah, my side is no. Uh, no, you're in the middle. You're in the middle. Why but you, anyway, go for it. Nobody puts baby in the middle. <laughs> I like it, Patrick. So, so, okay. so typically I would let this slide by because I know that the listeners know that Batman's my pick, yeah. obviously. Yes. The thing about this issue in particular was I have a few comics of Batman single issues that I enjoy so much that I consider them like I could read read them and sure. suggest them to other people. Yeah. This has fit its way into one of those. Mm-hmm. It would be one of the top three single Batman comics issues that I've read. It you do not have to read the I Am Suicide arc or care about what happened in Rebirth to enjoy this comic book about um, Batman and his love or his interest in Catwoman. Yeah. So there's a there's a full arc going on about Batman going after Bane, and none of it really is depicted in this issue no. number twelve. No. Yeah. 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 The entire issue is kind of Batman in his head processing yeah. a uh, an action that Catwoman had done. Gotcha. So he's kind of working through this as he's dealing with the consequences. And for me, anytime we get into Batman's inner monologue, I think there's really great storytelling. And he... And Tom King goes into the concept of a grown man wearing a bat costume. Sure. And how ludicrous that is and what that means. How how other people don't get it. Yeah. But Catwoman might. Outside of the incredible writing, the... Oh the man! This illustration. Is, yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I've been trying to think of a way to describe it, and I am just going with like flicker movement, where they're just full-blown panels of Batman going through, like let's say a hallway, and then every action he makes, um, every physical action he makes, is a point of illustration, and it takes you and it guides you. Batman himself will guide you through the page. Yeah, and through the panels and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and he does that through the entire yeah, issue. Yeah, which, which is really cool. That was the first thing that popped out to me. When I... Right. So, so I'm embracing this story. I'm watching. I'm looking at this flicker movement, and the entire time, I'm blown away. I just kept rereading. I kept looking at it, and just it's one of the ones when I finished it, I put it down, took a big sigh, and picked it right back up and read it again. Uh, Tom. Tom King killed it with this issue. If you don't like anything he's written before, I think that as a Batman fan, this is one that it's likely you'll enjoy regardless. Next. It's yeah. truly talented in both Janin and King's perspectives mm-hmm. and a true piece of art that can't go missed. It can't. I can't just leave it on the uh, shelf. Like I said, like I said, uh, I don't want to get into it here, but I think that Batman is one of the best rebirth titles out there, and that is coming from the Superman guy. So, anyway. So, number 12 of Batman I Am Suicide arc. There's my thumb for you. Thanks. Oh, it's a thumbs up. Yes. It's just, to me, it it fits in my top three. Excellent. All right, so uh, my pick of the week is going to be from a couple weeks ago, and that's going to be uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra number one. Uh, I, I read this book. Yes. <laughs> I <yeah>. did too. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the character, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed the other characters from the Darth Vader arc. Yes. So when they announced that they were ending Darth Vader, I was pretty sad about that, as we all were. Yes. Yep. And when I heard that they were going to be bringing this Dr. Aphra book, 
with all the characters, well, the new characters, I should say, from Darth Vader, yep. I was I was excited. I, uh, I'm one of the people who have been enjoying it. I think that the Star Wars universe definitely needs to grow. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people um, have jumped off of books or uh, comics or anything that has to bring in new characters. So Be- it, it's kind of funny hearing bringing this part up because talking to one of our whole slot customers today, the first thing he did is walk in, got the three books out of his box, looked at the Doctor Afro number two, and he gave it back to his. And he goes, yep. "Yeah, I don't want this no more." And, nope. and we both looked at him and went, "It's actually pretty good." He's like, "Fine, I'll take it." <laughs> well, it was seriously, said, yeah. that quick. Well, yeah, and I, and I and I said, I said, I've, I've gotten it back a couple times, and I I'm s- like. <laughs> Read it. I Just said. I said. It. I said. I mean, if you didn't like Doctor, uh, I mean Darth Vader, you, you, you know, if right. you didn't like that, then you wouldn't like this. Well, they said, oh, it's good. But uh, so, so, this is uh, written by Karen Gillan, the right. same person who's writing Darth Vader. Yeah. The art is by Brad Walker, uh-huh. who. Um, he actually is uh, pretty famous for doing a lot of that Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that Adam and Lanning uh, mm-hmm. were doing back mm-hmm. in the day. But this is going to be all new characters. Uh, they bring in some of the stuff from the new uh, Rogue One. There's actually an alien species in here from Rogue One. When I read this, it made me so happy. There's one moment in here that was, I don't know, it, it was one of the best moments of the year for me because I started laughing mm-hmm. as soon as I saw it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, again, I think that opening up the... I don't world think it gives good. a spoiler away if you want to tell them what happened. Um, the uh, I'm blanking on it the might name. Even get them to pick up the comics. The, the, I'm blanking. The, I'm blanking on the name of the. Uh, uh, I, how do you say Kirkistan this guy? Karikistan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he is the bounty hunter Wookiee that was from Darth Vader. He's in this comic as well, and she is indebted to him. They are there's some um, aliens that come to collect a debt, mm-hmm. and she says, "Well, let's make a deal. If my Wookiee beats your two thug aliens, right. then they uh, look like giant sheepdogs." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, actually, these were the char- these were the creatures that were in Rogue One. Oh, okay, uh, one of them was in. Uh, Saw Guerrero's uh, band of rebels. Gotcha. So, the, yeah. yeah, I knew that. So, I so, that. so, Afra says, <laughs> Afra says, uh, 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 double or, or nothing. Right. And he says, Oh, I'll take that bet. And Karakistan just um, headbutts Straight one of them. to the noggin. With right the in the face, yeah. too. Uh, and it's not even a second. He goes, Yeah, this panel, the way it's written, is hilarious. Yes. And he says, Okay, yeah, let's do. And then it just goes, Wham! And yeah. he just he beats these guys in one page. Excellent. Because he's a Wookiee. Right. And Wookiees are awesome. And that's, that is just awesome. So, so, Star Wars so stuff. that made me laugh. You got. Um, Triple, Triple Zero is is awesome again. Yeah, he he's funny. He's dark. He's cruel. Mm-hmm. So like I, so, if you like the Darth Vader, you're gonna enjoy this. There's some backup stories which were really cool. How she became a doctor mm-hmm. is one of the the back things. I mean, that's not a spoiler. How she does is awesome. Mm-hmm. The I think that for a new Star Wars book, this is a really good jumping on point. You don't have to have read Darth Vader. Mm -mm. If you did, it's going to add a little bit more to you. And, yeah, I think this was was fun. And since there's only a couple Star Wars books out there, it's a a worthy addition to the other ones, in my opinion. And I want to say off the bat that this is not Darth Vader. It is not Darth Vader. It It will drop off because you don't have the nostalgia of Darth Vader, but... It's kind of like being at a playground that you've played with, played at your whole 
life and then you saw this dark corner and you wanted to go over the dark corner and see this new addition to the playground yeah. and you're not sure if it's going to be fun or not but when you start playing all of a sudden it's fun. you realize oh man this is great now I have an even bigger playground to play in Yes. and I don't <laughs> see a reason not to did you like that? Thanks. Hey, a dark a... corner in a playground? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You're killing me. <laughs> I, th- I think that oh, there's I... nothing wrong with experiencing more Star Wars oh, yeah. and keep throwing out new ideas, new characters. Yes. And, and play in a world that it honestly is now more cohesive than it's been in long time. Ever. Yep. So. Absolutely. So, all right. So, let's jump into Spinning the Racks. Spinning the Racks. Spinning the racks tonight on spinning the racks. We're going to talk about this. Is funny because we were talking about this. We hadn't officially officially put this down yet in our uh, 31 episodes of podcasting that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. What are our top three favorite comic book writers? Huh. Uh, we're also going to be adding on to here a little addendum of uh, a comic book writer that used to be a top three that maybe he's dropped off but it's kind of dropped off so the top three uh, the basic the real basic it could be from any time but it has to be you'll pick up anything so if you find out that blank is my my go-to that I always use in the store and I have for years, as if Jeff Johns wrote Casper the Friendly Ghost, Shut. yes, I would pick that up. Yeah. So because it's just Jeff Johns. Right. So let's go. Let's start with uh, number ones here. I'm sure it's maybe shocking. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Sean, who's your number one writer? Sean's is the most. I'm actually. I'm gonna go. Yes. I'm gonna go backwards. Want to, you want to do backwards? I'm gonna go three, two, one. Okay. Three, two, one. Let's okay. do three, yeah. two, one. So, okay. So number three then. Number three for me is Jonathan Hickman. Okay. He's pretty high on the list for me. Um, pretty much everything that he writes or puts out, it's dense. It's very dense. It's going to be dense. Yes, it is. The guy, because when I got to see, I went to Morrison Con and I got to meet him and see him in there and look at and hear him talk about how he writes on one of his panels and he, he does like a weird five-year plan. Yes, he does. Yep. So he plans everything out kind of like in beats. Right. Like music, like he yep. said, by this movement I want to be here. By this movement I want to be here. And maybe he doesn't write all the words to the characters. Maybe he doesn't write all, you know, all the movements inside each little movement. But he's got a pretty good idea and broad spectrum on how he wants the painting to look. Mm-hmm. Right. So he knows where he's going. So I dig that about because there's some writers who have no clue where they're going and they just start writing. Can't we and just hey, mention somebody. Maybe like they'll that. get there in the time that it takes them to get there, or maybe they'll right. just kind of drop the ball and lose it, you know? Right. But he's he's definitely got an idea of what he wants to do. In his early works, like Nightly News, Transhuman, stuff like that, like well, it was Nightly News mostly, and I think Pax Romana, he was doing the art as well. Yeah, which is crazy. So and the <laughs> art is some seriously crazy stuff. Yes, it is. But I really, really liked all that early stuff so much that it made me want to keep reading a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff and the, the the thing the work that he did over the last five or six years was very hard, heavy marble books yes yes it was and that, it, that's how I got introduced to yeah. it yeah and the funny thing is I like I still haven't read his Fantastic Four run I love that run but I need to go back I actually have both of the oversized hardcovers yeah. and I need to go so sit good. down and just read them and have them done because that to me that was like the whole entire arc that he was at Marvel was like a Fantastic Four story. It kind of, yes, it kind of was. So <laughs> I need to get on that and read that. But yeah, his stuff, every time I read it, it's just, it makes me happy to read it. But it, it makes me want to pay attention to You have it's, to pay it's attention. It's dense. It is not. Because it's yeah. that dense. So if you're somebody who doesn't like your comics to be a little more heavy, 
you're probably not going to be into him. It's uh, but he's... what we hear a lot of the times with customers with Hickman books is they're like, oh, I'd like to have it on when you know I'm watching football or I'm doing something around the house or something. That's how I like to read my comics. You're not going to. You get can't that. do that with Jonathan. You get so lost. You have to sit <laughs> in a chair. You got to read it wherever, like a book. Yeah, you have to sit mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So oh, no, no, yeah, I'd, um, my number three. Uh, Hickman, Hickman, I enjoy. I started reading his Secret Warriors when he was at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Really dug that. Read his uh, Fantastic Four, which I think is uh, in the top three best Fantastic Four runs. Others being uh, <laughs> Stanley, Jack Kirby, uh, John Byrne, and then the uh, and then uh, Jonathan Hickman. So I think he's uh, in that top three. Love and, Avengers, Avengers, uh, Avengers, Avengers was cool, uh, and and again. You have to sit and read all of it. It's not a. Right. It's better to sit down and read his stuff because reading it month to month. He's doing another really heady book right now. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think would would you say Hickman is better read in trade form? Because I think of how, okay. So it depends upon how you feel about stuff. Right. When I was reading his the Fantastic Four, of his books can be better. They can be. It can be uh, because I was way. such a huge Fantastic Four fan. Every issue of Fantastic Four came out. It was just a love letter to Fantastic Four. But he was doing dense stuff. So even though I wouldn't get the entire story or I'd be like, I don't know where this is going, uh-huh. I still went, oh, this was a great um, uh, uh, thing moment. Here's a great uh, uh, Sue Storm moment. And, and, and that, that tied, you know, tied me over. The yeah. Avengers stuff, I really started to wane. But then when I sat and I read all of it leading up to, like, Infinity, I really enjoyed that. Uh, because some of it, I was like, I, Hyperion, and you know, why are these guys from the new universe? I didn't have that connection. Right. Uh, so the story was still cool. It just, you know, so it depends, I think, upon you as a reader, how you feel about it. Uh, like you said, nightly news, you can get in a trade. I do not know how you'd read that in issue form, <laughs> month to month. That would be, that so, would be difficult. So... So I think Back it depends. Mana would be another one that's yeah. like super dense. That would be difficult. Yeah. So. All right. All right, Richie. Richie. Well, give me. Number give three. Give it to me, Richie. What's okay. your three? I hate these things. Uh, so my number three. Give it to me, Richie. Is uh, Paul Dini. Okay. So Paul Dini for me caught me when I was when I was just getting into comics. It was you know I was watching the Batman cartoons and sure. loving every aspect of oh, it, yeah. and then I found out that he actually wrote comics and it I just just started buying everything he he would put out and his voice to me or the way he he dives into these characters comes from a heartfelt place like someone that loves these these characters and wants them to be true yeah and doesn't necessarily I wouldn't say that Deanie's the greatest writer uh but I would say that everything he because he I don't I've never seen him progress a character you know where as much as he's like represented what that character is to a T, yeah, yeah, and put it out there. I've never seen him truly progress one. Now that goes until his most recent Dark Knight story, where the progressive character is actually himself. Yes, uh, that was incredible. That was, incredible that to was me. good. That was a cool book. That yeah, was a cool that book. that story for me just showed what comics have been my entire life a way to look at something in a positive light even though there's so much crap around you yeah and yeah and to kind of accept your weirdness and embrace it to a point where you can be successful and recognize the things around you and Dini feels more human to me and more approachable than most writing or writers and so he's every time he's put out anything if I see his name I grab it 
I don't I don't care what it is. It's it's in my hand. Oh yeah. No. Uh, and I mean that goes without saying like Gotham City Sirens is going to be amazing. Uh, the streets of Gotham, the entire run that mm-hmm. he didn't write the entire run, but he wrote the first half and oh, somewhere in the middle, yeah. and all of it was great. There was a Dark Knight run that he did for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Anytime he does Christmas stuff, it's fantastic. That's great stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, he's got Joker. His, his his I was gonna say his Detective Comics when he was writing yeah there for a while was was Stellar. great stuff. Yeah. And I think that I think that he is written one of the best Joker stories of all time. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah, and there's, it's, again, everything that he has, it's, and it's because of that character. Yeah. You know, he'll find out where that character is and then give you that voice. And he did that with Harley Quinn, in the creation of Harley Quinn. Yep. He created a voice that resonated with people in comic book world and somehow made a character created in the 90s so prevalent that they keep, like, my favorite is when they do, like, the Silver Age pictures and they just kind of Put this weird looking Harley Quinn in there. Sure, she was around that time. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> just shoehorn her. Just shoehorn a picture of Harley Quinn in like this epic, you know, mm-hmm. widespread page of Silver Age characters. Yeah. Uh, that's how good he is at reaching me, uh, you know, or yeah, the yeah. comic book readers as is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my third. I can dig it. All right. Uh, so for me, my number three is going to be Ed Brubaker. Yeah. Uh, anything that he writes, I'm going to pick up. The first stuff that I was exposed to, of course, was his Captain America. Uh, yeah. When I sat and I read that, I was blown away by it. Thought it was fantastic. When I saw Winter Soldier, that's why I was also like um, many people. I will say, I, I about never that. read Captain America before he wrote it. Uh, yeah, no, that I was tried, my first. I tried here and there, and I couldn't get into it. That was my first. Um, and that hooked me right away. Yeah, it, it's it's a great run. If we ever did a, it's one of the. It's a great run in comic books. Right. Those. Um, I would say probably. I don't know how you want to argue it, but at least the first 25 issues are fantastic. He did it for a long time after that, so probably almost like 50 issues. Mm-hmm. I liked all of it, of course. I didn't think any of it was bad, but the 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 main chunk of stuff that they also borrowed from Winter Soldier was uh, was there. Uh, his Daredevil run is definitely <laughs> one of the best runs of all time. It's actually, you know, Frank Miller. Ed Brubaker and Bendis are usually the three that get tossed out. So, and I definitely agree that however you want to argue it, he's in that conversation of great runs on that. His stuff that he does with Criminal is great. Yeah. Killer Be Killed, what he's doing right now, it's fantastic. He is such a comic book uh, fan. One of the things that I've always loved is that in his independent work, Sean and I have talked about this for years, he makes it so that you want to buy a single issue. He gives you extra content that you can only get in single, single issues. Issue forms. Uh-huh. So they have essays, they have... Fade Out, right? Uh, yeah, Fade Out. Yeah. They had the fade out, bits and pieces about Fatal. Hollywood history. At the I remember when, when I walked in when Fade Out came out, you guys were like... You, you had shown me one of those big... Hollywood magazine things that they did. Yeah, well, they did, they did a golden age. Yeah, golden age like, sized comic. It was of it. huge. Yes. And then you're like, awesome, right? Yeah. Aaron and he left. It's <laughs> <was> like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So he he always tends to lean towards the uh, criminal crime kind of aspects. He's a very crime pulp driven character. Yes. Or writer. Yes, mm-hmm. and he is great at that. And when he gets somebody like Daredevil. He really adds that 
noir to it. When he has Captain America, he really adds that dark espionage to it. Anything that he writes, I'm going to pick it up. There hasn't been anything that I've read that I've not liked from him. Uh He always has great artists around him, like Sean Phillips and him are famous for all the stuff that they do. And in fact, they have a contract with Image so that they can work with each other. And they can do whatever they want. And they can do whatever they want (laughs) for however long they want. I mean, that's that's just great. Uh, Also, for a little bit of trivia for you, if anybody's out there watching Westworld, Uh uh, Ed Brubaker also produced some of those and also wrote a little bit on Westworld. Uh So if you really enjoyed that show, uh, which as I did, he, you know, I went, wow, Ed Brubaker's even in here. So he's great. I, uh, I, I'll pick up anything that he does. Excellent. So, all right. Number two, then you go, Richie. Number two is Scott Snyder. Oh, okay. He's not I, number one. I'm. I know who number one is. I mean, we all know. Well, well I don't know if you're what your number one is, but we, yeah. everyone knows what ours is. Right. I, I'm not shy about my favorite. No. We're, the reason we're doing this podcast. Oh, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Did you? <laughs> it's a uh, Scott Snyder to me was like falling into ice cold water. I just when I started reading his comics, even in Black Mirror. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's where I was introduced to him. Yep, he fell into my Batman world, and I had been my eyes had been open to you know. It was yeah. I had not known Didn't that. Did start throwing stuff at you after you, that? Oh goodness, did you? I was like, oh, severed you did, American like, Vampire. This and this and this yeah. and this. <laughs> yeah. and this. <laughs> and I was eating it all up. It just. And you were like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta read this. Sweet, yeah. sweet, more, more. Yeah. It yeah. was. It's. Snyder's writing is brilliant to me. It. He 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 likes to go beyond what the main main point of a, a story is mm-hmm. and kind of expand that into opening your mind. Yeah. He, I think he recognizes like many of us do as we read these comics especially in the mainstream that we've been told the same story several times and sure. most yep. of us are okay with that but there's still sometimes in the back of your head you kind of worry like have we hit that mark? Have we hit that point where there are no mind-melting stories to tell. Sure. Even when you do go with a Morrison-esque yeah. escapade, is yeah. there? You know, do we have to go that deep into something intense to to yeah. provide a stimulant? You know. Sure. But Snyder does it so with 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 little to no hardships. You can read Batman or even Severed, and American Vampire is a great yep. aspect of this. Swamp Thing. It's, Swamp Thing's great. <laughs> it's just he he finds these core core elements of a character, then expresses not only why you like it, but yes. what elements behind emotionally, spiritually, metaphysically, what is pushing you to to like this uh, yes. trope, this yeah, yeah, yeah. this element of writing, and. I think he takes it very seriously when you watch yeah, him no, at Comic Cons. Yeah. He seems like he has a lot of fun doing what he's doing. Oh yeah, when I watch him at Comic Cons, he, he's not be, he's not grudgingly doing it. He actually has a passion oh, yeah. for what he's doing, which it's especially if you've written comics for a long time, you can see guys just lose that passion. But he seems like he's a kid in a candy store going, "I get it right. Yeah. I can't Sweet. wait to tell you all." Like, yeah, yeah, yes. I was at the 75, 75th anniversary Batman panel and it had Jeff Johns, Snyder, Frank Miller, Morrison. 
and all of these greats in a row. And when I think of really awesome Batman writers, I think of very dark S type uh, caricatures of like your Morrisons and your Frank Millers, and they're kind of like. You know, Batman's beautiful, he's the greatest, you know, and then, you know, Frank Miller says he's sexy and he's, like, lust. He's lust incarnate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look over at Scott Snyder and Scott Snyder's like, yay, look at Batman, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, he's very excited. And he's writing the same kind of, like, in-depth, behind-your-eyeballs, scratching-at-your-retinas sure. type writing, and he's not nearly as macabre as you would with your... No. McFarlane. I don't ever sure. see Snyder standing, you know, in an ascot holding a skull, talking about the beauty <laughs> oh, of murder. <laughs> no. But yeah. But from this, from issue one, wow. I knew I'll be picking up whatever this, he, this he does. This kid's got a long, long yeah. life to go. And it's just so. starting. I mean, AD after death. For those that like enjoy that style of writing that, that want to go through that journey that is a super deep heady story yeah it's it is. just it is, so. it is it's mm-hmm. skull rattling and it's fantastic so he can't do wrong in my eyes and he will probably with the way he's going he will eventually overcome another certain love I have you're, you're number that one. we'll talk about later gotcha alright alright you want to go, Sean? Sure, yes. Go for number uh, My number two is actually Will Eisner. Okay. Nice. Ooh. So, I love like Will Eisner. Everything Damn, I've he, ever he, read by he, Will Eisner. Yeah, he I love owns it. the complete Will That's Eisner hardcovers. Yeah, I, I own all the spirits. Yeah. In hardcover. All, form. like, the all 30 volumes. Have you read of them it. all? I've read. I didn't I didn't read the space stuff and I haven't read it a lot a few of the last few. That's awesome. But it's Dini he's, he's one of the very few people that is able to do fantastic art and fantastic storytelling and do it well every time. Yeah. So from the spirit to contract with God, which he's debatable. I mean people debate it all the time, but he's debatably the person who helped pioneer. He at least helped pioneer the graphic novel. Yes. Yeah. So he, yeah, he the, the even if he wasn't the first person to wrote one, yeah. yeah, he's he he heavily 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 pioneered. Well, why do we have to tell a story in twenty two pages when I can tell a, a book length story and tell you a full story right. in one book? Right. He was one of the early pioneers, first people that ever did that. And contract with God, like a lot of his stuff is very slice of life. There's not a lot of like the biggest sure. superhero he worked on. Obviously, was the spirit. Right. Spirit. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff he writes are very. It's very you're you're looking at yourself. You're looking at your family. You're looking at where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, the building was uh, it was stories about people that just lived in this building in New York City. Yeah. yeah. So the stories was actually the building, mm-hmm. and then what mm-hmm. happened while mm-hmm. the building was there. I mean, yeah. he. I mean, early days, and he was doing this years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> he is an interesting dude. I mean, we could do. We probably should do a whole podcast on him. Well, well there's a reason why the I mean, Eisners he, are named after Will Eisner. Right. <laughs> Will Eisner, he, the the background that he had, uh, being the person that drew the army manuals. What happened to his kid when uh, she was young? Yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff. Contract so. with God was one of those books that. To me, that's a must-read book. It it is, but it made me almost... I'm not saying I'm against, you know, books, novels, and such, but when I read Contract with God, what it made me feel was like there's an element there. He's he's telling me a story in two different ways simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not only a story, but a deep, 
passionate talk to talk like look in your eye it's kind a story, of story of loss and a story just of every, everything you questioning whatever faith right. it is you might have I mean it's a yes. very deep story yes it is so. yeah, and, and, and he does that not only through words but through illustration as well mm-hmm. and his spirit is well just the scene of him kneeling on the ground yeah and how could you do this to me and he's right, got just screaming the main character's got his hands up in the air you know screaming at the sky screaming at perceived uh-huh. God you know yeah, I mean yeah. It's just excellent. Excellent, and and to me, what it does is it shifts. I'm not. I'm. I'm why hearing this, what he's saying. Why is this a wow? When I said it. What? Because it's. Oh a, well, it's just. It's a great pick. It's it just a great pick. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, just it's curious. Great pick. It's, wow. it's a great pick, and it's something that it's, it's something I honestly hadn't thought. Like Will Eisner's. I mean, duh, you know, like it's yes, yes, but we didn't think that you'd. We were thinking there was going to be like Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, and uh, you know Ed Brubaker or something like that. So 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 far, I haven't hit anything that you guys thought was good. Not yet, no. <laughs> not yet. So, but all right, I do agree with you. I I enjoy he's, he's the fantastic. pictures. The thing I was trying to say was that when I see the illustration, what it does in, in a novel, I kind of create my own world. Yes. But when I read a comic book, I'm I'm seeing what, especially when it's Will Eisner who's illustrating and writing. It, I'm yeah. seeing what he wants to tell me. Like I hear him when I read it. I, I see yeah. what he what he meant when he said it. Yep. And it's it's unique and powerful in that sense. It's very uh, personal. Yes. And I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, he's excellent. So yeah, that's my number two. All right. Uh, so my number two is going to be Mark Wade. Excellent. Uh, I love Mark Wade. Uh, I noticed I after... Think, I, I honestly think you would love to be... Like, your life, if you could make it... My life is Mark Wade. Because you're you're a gigantic fanboy. Yes. And if you got to actually write comics like he did... Yes. Because the, the guy, well, Mark, first so, and foremost, Mark Wade was a huge fanboy. Right. Huge, huge, huge fanboy. fanboy. Well, and that's the thing that, is that my number one and number two are oh, kind of... Massive fanboys, yeah. Are, well, and, and, and also, I realized when I was looking at him that Mark Wade... Uh, and I mean, it's not a spoiler, but Jeff Johns are kind of precursors to each. You know, uh, Mark Wade was the precursor to Jeff Johns. Uh-huh. He was the one who loved comic books, super into them. He has a house for his comic book collection. He has a house for his comic book collection. Who, he, who does that? He spent most of his money and time <laughs> buying. Zach would do that. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah, Zach could do that and Don't have a house, he, he, and then be able to still write comic books and yes. create. He would be in. Yes. Um, He'd be such a happy Zach. Yes. So. <laughs> Know what that looks like, I and, know. and and one of the things that I going um, to going back to what you were saying, I love writers that really care and are passionate about their storytelling and what they they want you to love the character as much as they do. Correct. And Mark Wade is definitely one of those people. Uh, his Flash run is fantastic. He's the one who wrote He's um, a super huge Kingdom Come for for everything that's comics too. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he, he's a huge Superman fan just like I am. We both feel the same way about a lot of things. Yeah, didn't he have one of those copies of that was made just for that kid's bar mitzvah? Yes, yep, yep. The uh, the one it was like this, they only this made hundred copies of this it island Bradman. Yep, yeah. the uh, uh, rich guy got a, a specific comic printed just for him. The thing with me and Mark Wade is that, and and I brought this up when I've talked about champions before on this podcast. Uh-huh. I didn't really care about most of those characters. I didn't really care about you know the new status quo. But it said Mark Wade on the cover. 
and I read it, <laughs> and I pick up that book now because he made me care about those characters, and everything he writes is a classic superhero feel. He is always consistently good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not, you know, when you bring up people like Graham Morrison or Alan Moore or things like that, they do things to try and change the, the, the art form. They try and uh, shrink it, grow it, bend it, break it. Mark Wade doesn't do that. He wants to make you the best steak over and over again. Uh-huh. That's it. That's what he wants. He wants you to go and it's sit down. He wants you to sit down, and he wants you to enjoy it every time. And every time... You to be full every time yep, you have that meal. Yep, and, and, and if you love superheroes... Satisfied. Yeah, if you love superheroes the way that I do, uh, and him always serving up the exact same delicious meal, I... I that's what he does. It's seduction in its simplicity. Yes, exactly. So um, anything he writes, I'm going to pick up because it's him. Yeah. <laughs> so since you brought it up, why don't yeah. you just continue? Uh, Jeff Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my number one. I'll do just my round one. it up because yeah, I'll do it right. You now. already did it. Cause, cause, yeah, it's not. It's not. A it it kind of goes hand in hand with what it you're does. talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Because because anyway. Jeff Johns took over for Mark Wade after he left the Flash, mm-hmm. and Jeff Johns is now the chief creative officer for DC Comics for a reason. Mm-hmm. The what he does is is he one of the things I love about Jeff Johns is he takes the entire history of a character and he uses it and I find that very impressive Jeff Johns has never come onto a book onto a character and said I want to get rid of something because it doesn't work for me well that's uh-huh. he's a lot of research too he, a lot Especially of research. A character that's been around for 70 yep. some odd yep. years you know I mean it's yep. like holy crap yes and, and how much did you have to read to, and, to get this and um, like I said I mean how I could, did you know that uh, I can go on and on about him he's my favorite writer I met him uh, anything he writes I will I will absolutely pick up uh, and just just the smart the smart little things that he's done. If if you haven't read any Jeff Johns comics, which maybe there is somebody out there that hasn't, that'd be weird. It'd be weird, but uh, but as we've noticed, some people don't like Jeff Johns. Yeah. Well, we had our yeah. one a long time ago, which uh, broke my heart. But anyway, the the point is, Jeff Johns takes something where uh, Jeff Johns takes something like forever since the '60s. Yeah, the Green Lanterns couldn't fight against Yellow. Why? No one answered that. Nobody no bothered one, to ask. No why. one borrowed. Yeah, no one even bothered to ask that. They just said, if you paint something yellow, he can't do it. Why is that? And he came up with that. There's an impurity. There's an entity inside the main Green Lantern that powers all their uh, Green Lantern rings. There's an impurity that makes them, um, uh, you know, uh, weak against yellow. Wow. He did not get rid of anything. He did not retcon anything. He just brought in an element. Just like with Hal Jordan being evil. Why did he become evil? Because that same entity took over his mind. Uh-huh. He didn't say that the 90s stuff never happened. He never said that uh, he did not kill these people. Uh-huh. What they did in the 90s, which a lot of people were not a fan of, he used that. Uh-huh. So what he did, I mean, Green Lantern, the, his Green Lantern run, I think will go down as one of the best comic runs of all time, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, he is like Mark Wade in that he always, and, and he's like Scott Snyder in a certain way. Scott Snyder wants you to get into the mythology, into the depth of the emotional character. Mm. Jeff Johns wants to do the same thing, but in a more superhero route. Right. Um, he, when he writes Batman, 
he wants you to think of why you love Batman so much in a superhero sense, not how Batman relates to us on a mythological level. Right. And both are great ways to take it. Uh And Jeff Johns consistently does that. Flash, Hawkman, JSA, whatever it is. What I was going to say was that Jeff Johns, like you said, he goes back and he finds that piece, like the yellow. Um, Yes. There are three different ways that that can be handled outside of a retcon, and the ways that that goes is like Frank Miller would exploit it, right? Where he had, like, painted... He had Batman fight... Uh, Green, Green Lantern one time and they painted the whole house yellow just to show him how ridiculous that kind of was Yeah, and then they, they like gave him lemonade yep. you know just to mess with so them. that's exploitation you have Morrison that wants to embrace the wackiness of it you yes. know so he'll add in like yeah turn into a painting yeah. <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's wacky because it's yellow and it moves into the you know yes. just to kind of take you on that trip and then Jeff Johns like you said he just finds this element and goes he gives it solidarity. Like, yes. you can put that on a post. It's good. It's got a foundation now. Yep. Yep. There's a reason. There's a reason. Now we yes. can move past it. Yep. yep. And and that's really, it's very blunt to the point, all made out with love, mm-hmm. and it keeps it sturdy for many, many years of storytelling. Yes, yes. And he never gets rid of history. So. Right. Anyway. All right. Excellent. The, um, I think we all know who your number one is, too. Yes. So let's do yours. Yeah. So my number one is going to be... Frank Miller. Yes. (laughs) Now, I talk about Frank Miller enough that I'm not going to go off on this, but I will, you know, try to... I will say that Frank Miller's writing has always intrigued me. It captured me at a young enough age that it kind of like, you know, it was like changing your whole life perspective on something. You read a certain certain kind of comic a certain way, then all of a sudden... It exploded into something new, and the way that he describes cities and streets and lovers and the way he he defines mm-hmm. it, it reached me and at He's my. He's an core. emotional writer. Yeah, he goes for the emotions. I could tell when he was writing, especially then, and when I went back to Daredevil, it was the same thing. I could mm-hmm. tell that he was writing again from his heart, which I I seem to lean towards, and. It was it was so vastly different from what I was reading at the time that it changed my perspective on how you could read a comic or what I should expect which, from a comic. Which story do you think he tried hardest on that he had the most passion for? I would say Daredevil would be the first. Was that because he was trying to establish himself, you uh, think? Or I, th- I think... I think I it mean, was a F you to the the mainstream industry he had worked so hard to be into mainstream and when he finally gets it they threw him daredevil and they were like well daredevil was daredevil's trash can garbage time, you can so, take yeah. that kid and he was like i will take this you're right and you know and he wanted to prove him all wrong sure and he did <laughs> boy did he yeah <laughs> you know now he absolutely is he's yeah he's probably the number one daredevil writer yep so oh, yeah. i i just Every time I go back to what I'm reading, and this is why Scott Snyder does tap into that, is I'm looking for that explanation of do something different. Mm-hmm. Do something so groundbreaking that it changes my... Changes the way you look yeah, at the character. Not only the character, but the way the character should be written. Yeah. It, it gave me a firm plant. Like, Dark Knight was... Dark Knight Returns was something different entirely from anything sure. I had read in Batman. Sure. To the point where I, when I read it first time, I was kind of taken aback. Like, why is he so aggressive? What is going on? Yeah. And I could see that people 
could critique that as like that's not Batman at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, it embraced into no that that is Batman. That's what we're all sure being silly. That's Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then to do that with that kind of a character that late in the game mm-hmm. is unheard yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it staples his place. And I will follow him through everything he's been and everything he's ever done. Dark Knight uh-huh. Two, which is way harder to fight or, but to me, creates just more of that layer of him his unwillingness to fall into typical. Yeah. And I I can embrace that and follow that storyline and kind of... I, I will say that some costs are a little great yeah. where I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But as I continue to think and process it, I go through that. Yeah. So, Frank Miller's my number one. Cool. Cool. Now... Shocker. Yes, I know both of ours were shockers. Sean, what is your number one here? So we already pretty much talked about my number one. Okay. Oh. Uh, Ed Brubaker is my number one. Oh, okay. Excellent. I absolutely Excellent. love Ed, Br- Ed Brubaker. Everything he writes, yes. I can yes, I can jump on it and love it. And I started reading him with Sleeper. Oh, yeah, Sleeper. That was the first yeah. thing I read. And yeah. then I ended up reading Catwoman. And then I went back and read Gotham Central. And then Central it just every time yeah. I read his stuff, I'm like, Jesus, this is good. It's yeah. all And then I started yeah. reading Criminal. And I was like, holy shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those what moments. He yep. was just, he is so incredibly good. good how he can keep everything there, tie it together, make it cohesive, make it interesting. Yep. Especially if you like crime stuff, this is your guy. Yep. Oh, this yeah. is what yes, you should. Is. I used to think Rucka was the crime guy. Oh, God, no. No, no Baker has got this on lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is—he's absolutely my favorite. Excellent. You really can just pick up anything Edward Baker. And yes, you can. It. It's yeah, you don't, don't, don't have to even think, think about, about it. it. Just no, buy it's, about it. It's usually going to be knocked out of the park. So excellent. Okay, excellent. so we're running out a little bit of time, but let's just go really quickly. Who was somebody that you thought about putting on your top three, but um, isn't there anymore? I'm not saying that you don't like them. You know, they still do good stuff. I'm not saying that they're bad. But what's something that you're like? I'm not going to pick up anything this guy writes. It's going to be. Oh, I like it when he writes this or that. Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb for you? Okay. Yeah. He got rough. He got rough. I I loved his... Uh, I mean... I think he kind of lost it after his kid died. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think true. he had it and yeah. he lost it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's doing great with everything in the TV industry sure. and stuff, but... The comic last, book wise? Yeah. Comic book wise, I've just felt like... Uh, Man, no, I get I, it. I, I get it. I know how good you are, Jeff. I do. And <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but where are we going here? You know. It, no, that's that's, that's yeah. a good pick because yeah. yeah, I I can say. Never thought of that, but yeah, I get it. What about you, Zach? Uh, for me, it's going to be uh, Garth Ennis. I think that uh, some of the stuff he's done is uh, absolute gold. His Hellblazer run, Preacher, is one of my favorite comic books of all time. I really love the boys. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed um, a smattering of other things, but there have been some books that I've tried to, you know, some miniseries things that he's he doesn't put out a lot anymore. So that's co- also another thing to it. Uh-huh. But the last couple things I've tried to read, um, I, I picked up Crossed uh, oh, when oh, when, wow. when he when he started <laughs> that because it was him. I didn't really enjoy that. That was not my cup of tea. Right. Um, he's doing a book called A uh, Train Called Love. Uh, that's not. That's not my cup of tea either. So um, he's still a fantastic writer. I will check it out, but I'm not going to buy, buy, buy everything that he puts out anymore. Excellent. John? So I'm going to say mine's a tie. Okay. Okay. And it's for the same reason. Okay. It's both Grant Morrison and Alan Moore. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. So I, I absolutely love both of these creators. Yep. Absolutely love them. They could do no wrong. Like the ABC line from Alan Moore is absolutely hands down one of my killer, favorite man. favorite yep. 
things ever done sure, in comic yeah. books, along with um, like Flex Mentallo and by Grant Morrison that kind of stuff. Some of my absolute favorite stories, but Morrison lost it in Batman to me. I, I don't know what he was doing. It's it was rough. It's interesting, yeah. It was rough, and I, I, I can understand why. Completely in Batman, but yeah, I can understand why a ton of people didn't like Final Crisis. Yeah, and I get it. I only understood it because I was reading. You know the, the the stuff that it was based off of at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, yep. But even like Alan Moore, all the his stuff he's done with like Necronomicon, and I don't oh. care. Right. I really don't care. Yeah, and there should be so, something to say that when we say these, all of his Avatar books, I could not read right. at all. I don't need to buy any right. of them. No. When we say so. like we're not on board with buying everything, doesn't mean that these guys are bad writers. No, no. There's, but I also say that there's something in the the technicality of their writing. Like Alan Moore and Morrison are so well, they might have lost the passion for the particular things they were doing and moved on to right. something else. Right. Well, and and that's things they that could be passionate about something else and enjoy yeah. that. That's fine. Well, and also Graham Morrison's kind of stepped away from superhero comics completely. Completely. Yeah. He's and yeah, he's, the, he's the editor of. Uh, Heavy metal, heavy metal magazine. So, yeah. so he doesn't. But I loved like Multiversity. I thought that was one of the best things he's done in a long time. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So that's our that's show, it. guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to be back. Happy here. holidays. Yes. Have a good this Christmas. Is a holiday. Be safe. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's wearing a little Santa hat. It's adorable. If you could see this, it's not a little Santa hat. It's a big Santa hat. That's right. I'm wearing a big Santa. <laughs> um, we will see you uh, next <laughs> week. Have a good Christmas, and <laughs> we will check you out uh, next week. Next week before the New Year. All right, talk to you guys later. Later. Bye. Bye.